Just press say hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Circle of Dads, the space for sharing stories about the struggles and triumphs of fatherhood and learning to become better men. Well, I think we could just start with that. I mean, because I'm sitting yeah. here now with uh, <laughs> Dr. Darren Deaton. Welcome to the Circle of Dads podcast. Thank you so much for, for uh, listening to this episode. And thank you for coming or having me come to your studio yeah. and your gym and yeah. work out and train this morning and yeah. and uh, and do this. I mean, I always love getting to hang out with you and see you. And, and I was going to go through all your credentials, man, but there's so many of them. <laughs> and you're so much better at talking about yourself than I am. Oh, that's so, good to know. <laughs> so go ahead. He's talking crap with me already. So... Um, so I'm a doctor of physical therapy. It's my 20, I don't know, 28th or 29th year to practice. Um, I'm an orthopedic therapist too. That's really what I do. We have a group of clinics in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We're mostly in the Northeast Tarrant County area. Um, I'm also a starting strength coach. I'm on staff with starting strength um, and their seminar staff. And I'm also a starting strength online coach with SSOC, startingstrengthonlinecoaching.com. And we basically use the starting strength method of barbell training, but we use it in an online media platform to where someone living, like I have client, a client in Switzerland, I have a client in South Africa and in Adelaide, Australia. And so those people get access to coaching um, as real time as we can provide them within 24 hours response time of reviewing their workouts, their barbell movements. We do all their programming. We provide nutrition with, with uh, registered dietitians on staff. So I do that also. And, uh, and I'm a certified CrossFit trainer. I'm a level three. I've had CrossFit level one, level two, level three. And I owned barbell gyms, CrossFit gyms for the last 10 years. And now I, I sold them all. And I opened a small boutique barbell gym here in Keller, Texas, called Fort Worth Strength and Conditioning. And um, I, I would probably say it this way. My life's work has been health and fitness. I've been in the industry for 30 years. I met my wife at a, at a health club. Mm-hmm. I was a personal trainer, and she worked in the snack bar. And so, really, that's where I started, and that's, that's where I am today. I would say that your, your life's work's been helping people, building yeah. people up, fixing yeah. people, um, helping them grow physically, spiritually, mentally, professionally. Sure. I think that just the, uh, the medium in which it, it happened was through health and fitness. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely see it as a calling. I, I, mean, I, I, you know, I mean, you don't do what we do in the industry that we're in for the length of time that I have unless you feel drawn to it. And so I can honestly say um, I'm not treating a lot of patients right this second because we're opening a new clinic here in Keller, so I've been overseeing the construction of that. But I can honestly say when I walk into the clinic for the first day at Riata Keller, the new clinic, um, I'm just as excited to be there that morning as I was probably more excited because I know more. And and treating patients is not easier, but it's more manageable. but it is my calling. It, and you're way more experienced at it. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's my calling. It's what I've been. It's what I've been called to do. Um, and I think when we when we when we ha- when we make someone strong, whether it's through physical therapy or it's through the gym, we change their life. It's more than just make them physical strong. The voluntary hardship that they go through, the coaching that we did with you this morning in the gym makes you better in all areas of your life, mm-hmm. not just the fact that you're a beast. And by the way, you are a beast to be reckoned with, dude. Thank you. I mean, this, so, so Ryan and I go Wait. pretty far back. Yeah. Um, met in CrossFit kind of. Well, I tried what? to sell you, well, it was when I had that other company, Tier yep. One. Yep. And uh, I wanted to sell you a rig. Yep. But I didn't have Pull any. Up pro- rig. I didn't have any prototypes, so you made me build one before I could sell you one. <laughs> Remember that? And I didn't even. You probably think, what a jerk! I didn't man. even have the money to build the one that I was yeah. trying to sell you, much less two. <laughs> Yeah, that was awesome, man. I remember that. I was like, uh, he was like, well, uh, you know, I, I don't really have any rigs. You didn't tell me you didn't have any rigs. You're like, well, I don't have one manufactured yet uh, for your gym. And I was like, well, then build me a prototype. I mean, build me something to show me what I'm going to have in my gym. And he did. What you built? Did you build a six foot wide or a four foot wide rig? Or I built a two. I built a six by ten wall mounted rig. That's right. And then that was the rig that remained in that gym that I had in my welding shop for. 
several years, which, yep. which then turned into the That's tier right. one gym. Next I came door. over and looked at it at mm-hmm. your, at Avery Ironworks or at Tier One, right next to Avery Ironworks. No, no, yeah. no. When you came, it was yeah. at Avery. Like, oh, that's right. Yeah, like that's I right. I moved. I moved our steel rack down 15 feet and swept up and painted that wall and mounted the rig, just so you would buy the damn thing. <laughs> and, I uh, love that. <laughs> and and you know, and then we worked out in that spot. I mean, yeah. that's when the guys. Yeah, I used started to come going. over and work out with you guys. And and I had a group of I don't know about 15 different guys that would show up every day at five. Yeah. And we'd work out and uh, just. Dude, just do dumb shit, you know, yeah. and just have fun, and 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 it was it was it was an awesome time. It was stressful yeah. because I was trying to run two businesses not very well, but sure. I mean, it was. Uh, I'm glad I did it. Well, you have great craftsmanship, great workmanship. The rig is great. The rig is still being. Parts of your rig are still being used in the gyms today. That yeah. are in. In fact, the two rigs that you first built, one of them's probably eight years old. Mm-hmm. That one is still in existence, and all of its extensions that we added to it that you built, those that's still in um, uh, Caltown CrossFit um, over in uh, Saginaw area. Yeah. And the other rig that you built for us uh, is in uh, Bedford, Texas at CrossFit Fort Worth East, mm-hmm. which is still there. So, um, hey, it's good stuff, good equipment. Um, I see them pop up every once in a while. I'll see it. I, you know, I don't see them for sale. Yeah. Or And if I do, it's like, you know, I don't care. Yeah. It's great that people are reselling them. Yeah. Um, but I'll see the boxes or, or something. I'll see that logo pop up. Yeah, yeah. And before, it used to be a failure. You yeah. know, I'd feel like, oh, man, that company didn't do well. Yeah. But it, but I never had a goal for that. I just did it just because it's it would be season. fun. Yeah. And, it's a season. And that's something else I learned from yeah. you, man, is that, that yeah. we're seasonal and things just happen. And I remember how hard it was to shut that business down and sell everything yeah. off. But the relief I felt instantly of not having to worry about that and being able to focus on my main business yeah. and you know, providing for it and working on it and being good at one thing. I could, I could see that shift and that, that sting yeah. was my ego, nothing else. And then as soon as that, um, cause I got a sensitive ego, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, really? You yeah. got an ego? Oh yeah. It's pretty wow. big. Wow. <laughs> it's pretty big. Bigger well, than this room. <laughs> <laughs> well, between yours and mine, got right, right, people would probably say between yours and mine, we, our heads are, you know, way too big, but yeah, I think, I think, um, Anytime you have some a decision that's difficult to make, and um, you know we, you and I have had so many conversations. I mean, we we couldn't do a two hour podcast and put in that podcast the conversations we have had about major life events, whether it be um, uh, emotional things, spiritual things, business, uh, family life, raising kids, our wives. We just had a conversation at lunch about our wives. I mean. Um, you know, it's, uh, by the way, ladies, that was an excellent conversation. Y'all were held in high esteem Very complimentary. and, and w- who we were really being hard on was ourselves. Um, but I, I, we've had so many conversations at, at a f- fairly deep level. Um, you know, elk hunts at 12,000 feet in the middle of the tent, uh, with another guy, our friend Clayton Martin with Clayton and, and, uh, it's sleeting and snowing and raining outside all three at the same time. And, and Reese's and, pieces and yeah. Yeah, 12,000 feet, coffee, instant coffee. And co- I think you had a French press or something ridiculous like that. It was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, it yeah. was heavy. <laughs> it will not be brought again. And so, yeah, it's heavy. We were talking about our packs. Field experience. Yes, definitely. But, you know, you know, life is about seasons, man, and it's about um, we don't have to have it all figured out while we're doing it. But when we learn and we have some lessons – we need to look back at those things and draw some positive lessons from those things. And some of our greatest failures are our greatest um, uh, times for instruction. And some of our greatest successes are time are, are lack significant instruction to us. It, those are usually the fruits of our labor, ho- hopefully, mm-hmm. and the fruits of better decisions that came before that time. But hopefully, most of all, I, I, the, the best things in my life... I mean, I could give you so many one-liners. I mean, let's face it. We, we, you and I are one-liner living guys. That's what we do. Yeah, I mean, it's how we live. And, you know, we, we both have, you know, we're, we're both ADD. We're both, we both love to be very dynamic around people. Um, but we also both can get very distracted because of all that. But we like to do a lot of stuff. But think about it, man. All the good stuff comes from the heart. Mm-hmm. All the good stuff comes from the heart. And those failures and those mistakes, and you learn. Hopefully, you learn what you don't want to do. Again, hopefully. Well, it's like that. Well, I could tell you how not to do it. Exactly. Exactly. 
man, I've, I mean, I've screwed that up, <laughs> you yeah. know? So we want to, you know, we want to learn from our, our failures and, and, um, I've tried to use those things to shape the way I parent, the way I, um, the husband that I've been, and I've fa- fallen short in all those areas. Um, but, and, and, and I don't think, um, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Uh, I don't think God requires us to be perfect in all those areas. I think he requires us to be striving, moving forward. And, and, uh, that's where a little grace comes in. You know, we get a little grace and, uh, that also, when, when you make mistakes too, it makes it so easier, so much easier for you to then bestow that grace to someone else. When you re- recognize that you're not perfect, mm-hmm. even though we might think we are, um, then all of a sudden you go, Oh man, you know, maybe I'll let them slide. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it helps you to parent. It helps you to do everything. You know, and that's something that I've always struggled with is, is not holding people to the standard, to the unrealistic standard that I hold myself to. You know, it's, it's like, you, you, that's not a way to maintain relationships with anyone, including yourself. Yeah. And that's yeah. one thing that I was taught by you, you know, early yeah. on is life's all about relationships. And that's something yeah. that I've, I've always kind of held on to because I'm yeah. pretty good at burning them down. Yeah. Well, well. I'm a passionate guy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. So, so, okay. So Ryan and I met each other in the gym industry. He was, he, he provided equipment for the gym. Um, but immediately, man, I, pro- once we developed some trust, I could tell that you were someone that trust was not easily gained with. Um, I could just tell it based on your personality. Um, you could see it in your mannerisms. You could see it in the way you, you talked and, and, um, but you were very professional, but I think once we developed some trust and you knew, um, I had your best interest in mind, you had my best interest in mind that clears a lot of water that takes care of a lot of problems yeah. right there in, especially in male relationships. Um, and I think from there, we just developed a friendship. We hunted together. Uh, we went to Costa Rica together with a group of guys, which was a fantastic, awesome trip for you. I your- was kidnapped. Yeah, exactly. We kidnapped him. What a bad thing to happen. Was that for your 35th? No, that was a, it was my bachelor party. Oh, that's right. It was your bachelor had, party. That's right. Yeah, 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 I, I had forgot. no idea yep. that, that, right. that that was happening. And then Ronnie, um, yep. you know, just the only thing he told me was like, I need you to take off work or I need you to schedule. Not, I'm self-employed, so yeah. schedule yourself to be gone during this time. Yep. And I did that and uh, nobody my wife, nobody would tell me anything. And then Ronnie, just being the little shit that he is, like threw it out there. <coughs> had I Ronnie. Think, I think he had. We his, had a sticker we made, remember? Yeah, fucking Ronnie. <laughs> that's stuck on the airport somewhere. In, in Costa Rica. Yeah, and I can't. San Juan. There's San a buddy Juan, of mine Costa bought a bike, bike frame for me that has that. Yeah. I've got I've got one on my full suspension bike, one of yeah. those stickers on my full suspension bike. And so um, I had no idea. I had no idea who was going. Um who was involved and, yeah. and, you know, a handful of you guys so graciously all threw in to, to just cover the trip, which was awesome and unexpected. And yeah. just, I'd never had anything like that done for me. And I mean, it was amazing. And and then my wife, you know, um, had my passport, got it, took care of all the arrangements and got those to Ronnie. And, and then, you know, I packed for a road trip to Colorado. So I had all kinds of things that you can't take <laughs> on a plane. And I think we were backpacking and only. We, no, did we have suitcases? We, yeah, we had duffel bags. Yeah, I think we, we, we checked we, bags. We had, yeah, we had duffel bags. That's right. And then we had backpack. Everybody had backpacks. Yeah. yeah. So I had to pretty much like get rid of half of the things that were in my bag <laughs> and leave them in the yeah. trunk. Yeah. Um, but man, that was an awesome trip. That yeah. was a fun, we had a fun time. But well, there were seven of us, I think. There was uh, me, you, and I didn't even know you were going. Yeah, yeah. You bumped into me at right. the airport yeah. and grabbed me, and I'm like, oh, hey, buddy. Oh, you're going too? Right on. And then, like, Joe. Oh, the old guy's going great. No, that was crap. Fun. Joey uh, couldn't go because he messed up his yep. thumb, and so he had to bow out. But it was me, you, uh, Chris Davis. Ronnie. Ronnie, Adam. Yep. Um, Osama. Yep. Is there anybody else? I'm thinking of yeah, those pictures. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm trying to remember. Well, there's six of us. There were six of us. Yes. There were six of us. So we're, we're missing someone. Oh, um, uh, uh, Cody. Was Cody there? No, Cody didn't go. Zamora? No. Zamorpa? No. No, Zamorpa? No. He, 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 I'm trying to remember who else. There was one more guy. Oh, man, that's really, that really sucks that we forgot the one guy. That sucks for what him. What a loser. What a loser. Well, he's going to look up. He's pulling up his you just social talking. media just for fun. Talking. Okay, so basically, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what was so funny about that trip 
was um, we we knew each other quite a bit better by that point. And um, but what was so funny about that trip here is here are six guys who land in the airport. We all look like mercenaries. We all train. We all have like tactical backpacks, and we <laughs> land in the airport. And boom, here we are. Yeah. And it, it was a motley looking crew, man. I think I think people around us thought we were getting ready to go, you know, um, attack some drug lord's compound or, or, or do something like that, overthrow the government. So or, instead we stayed at one. Yeah, exactly. We, I think we did, man. I think they that got, was a very interesting. Yes. That yes, was a cool it, place, but that was yeah. definitely. Yeah. I mean, the guy had like BMWs and, and um, uh, had, um, you know, an, e, a, uh, an English riding saddle arena and a pool and, and he lived smack dab in the middle of nowheresville in this tiny little village, like a King. He had a pineapple grove and I think he was growing something. Was it Fortuna? Were we staying in Fortuna? I can't remember. It was in like central Costa Rica. It was about two hours from Sam when we landed in San Jose, not San Juan, San Jose. I think that's the capital, but, um, but yeah, man, that was a freaking awesome trip. But I, I think over time we just got to know each other. Yeah, there's six of us. Well, I guess that's all six of us. Yeah. Everybody's like, damn, Darren. Yeah. You're a doctor. You couldn't get Yeah. Because <laughs> I was thinking, wait, was it me and Ronnie? And then that's cool. We got Yeah, everybody. we got six. We got all six of them. Hey, man, we're not assholes. Yeah, exactly. So, but I think we got we got to know each other a little bit better. We went on some hunting trips together. Um, went out a couple times with our wives and everything, just hanging out. And I think, you know, quickly, you're the kind of person that, I have a couple other guys like this. I have a long-term friend from high school, which was over 30-some-odd years ago. <clears throat> and then I have a, a friend who I've known for probably 15-ish-plus years, 20 years, that I cannot see these guys for three years. Yeah. And I see them or talk to them on the phone. It's like, it's like I saw them yesterday. Sure. I mean, we're kind of that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the one of the, there, you have a lot of traits that I love. Number one, you're a, you're a passionate guy. Um, number two, you um, you are intellectually honest and emotionally honest with people. Sometimes, and I've told you this, sometimes to your own demise <laughs> yeah. and to your own weakness, you're really emotionally honest and, and raw. I get a little um, unfiltered. It, it's like this. Ryan Young, uncut and raw. Yeah. That's what it is, man. It's what, it's what you're getting. My wife said <laughs> it was polarizing. Yes. it's. Uh, I think she means bipolar, but... Whatever. Probably. Okay. So, but basically, and I love that about you. Um, but what I also like is that I've seen you over the last year, several years. Um, I've seen you begin to carve away. You know, I read something the other day on another guy's Instagram account who is, um, he's a great guy. His name's Ryan Melchner, I think, or Melchner. The Order of Man. Order of Man, right, right. Yeah, that's you, a great yeah, you, you and I have talked about him, yeah. talk, followed some of his stuff. And he, he posted something the other day like, a lot of men think that they're the statue that's being carved on or something like that. But what they really don't know is that they're not only the statue, they're the sculptor. Mm. They're having to carve. You have to actively carve away some of those things in you. And I, and I also think our creator does that for us and to us, he chastens us. But, but I think that I've seen you do that over time. And, and I just say, you know, there's one time you and I had a business deal that you felt like I had wronged you in that business deal. It wasn't a big deal, but it was a business deal. And you invited me to go to lunch shortly thereafter. And uh, we were sitting down in a Mexican food restaurant uh, having some lunch, and you said, here, I need to give this to you. And I was like, what is this for? I can't remember your exact words. You may remember them. And you were like, well, I, I, I need to make something right with you. I felt like I wronged you, and, and I need to give you this to me because you paid me for something that, you felt like, you know, we didn't agree on at that time. And um, you said, I need to give this back to you because I need to make it right with you. And, man, we started crying. And, and they were, I don't know if you remember, we kind of both teared up in that restaurant. But what I love that what I, what I love about that is that that is making you better. That made you better as a man. Mm -hmm. um, and we have some similar backgrounds in the way we were raised with our fathers or lack of fathers. Mm -hmm. Some wounds that you're dealing with that I've dealt with over the years. A little bit older than you, so I've had a little longer to mess with that stuff. But that's the kind of stuff that you never that never leaves you, but it shapes you and you mold you. You don't get rid of it. You don't get rid of that stuff, but you learn how to harness that stuff to be a better man, to sculpt yourself better. And I've seen that with you over the years. You know, like the Circle Dads podcast, what you're doing with this. 
um, and, and all the things that you've developed over time. Every year, what I see about you is every time I see you, you're a better man. And I think that's key for your listening audience to hear, for guys like us who are out there. Man, if you're, if you're out there and you're living a life with no purpose, you, you just don't get it. We, we, are, we should be purpose-driven. We should be learning how to grow every day, reading something new on a regular basis. Be with men that make you feel meek and weak. Yeah. Be with sharpening men. You know, that's why I like to hang around with you. When I hang around with you physically... What, what's your statement to me that you always say to me when we're working out together, doing something that I'm just loathing? Hate me now, but love me later. That's right. That's right. We ran a 10K together at about 11,000 to 9,000 feet. And going down, but still, it was a biatch. It was, it was, it was painful for everybody yes. but Miles. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Who ran down... <laughs> <laughs> and beat did he make the was it like the the town record or he, yeah yeah he he he, he, was, he he won the race record and he got second place yeah because like some kid just yeah. lives there it was like some high school kid yeah and then miles like you know loops back around to come meet us halfway through the rest like yeah. hey guys what's up yeah exactly and he had altitude sickness so bad the day before from a 14er that we climbed yeah and he was puking all day and, and could barely sleep that night but that's miles my nephew goes, but um, it's in the genes. Man. It's in the genes. <laughs> running is not in my genes, though. <laughs> no, <laughs> Ryan says no, no. But I mean, and that's that's the thing. I think that um, uh, your listening audience and the listening audience of my podcast. I mean, the goal is trying to impart just a, a piece of information that's data driven. And in your line of podcast, it's experiential driven, but it's also in some ways data driven because of all the experience, the collective experience of the men and the women and the kids that are listening. Hopefully not too many kids are listening to your podcast, but um, of the people that are listening to your podcast and they learn something from that. And the next time a challenge comes into their life in that area, they have the ability to go, hey, man, I know a guy who had this similar problem and this is what he did. I'm going to try that. And that's the whole point of this, you know, like, um, that's the reason I started the clothes group. Um, and, and if any of you guys li are listening, there's a circle of dads group. That's a, that's a closed group to where you can, um, you can join and, and, um, we won't accept the joining if you have a joint account with your woman. Yeah. That, oh yeah. That's yeah. not going to happen. Yep. I get it. For this so is many Facebook, reasons. right? It's Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Facebook. yeah. And, and, and that's so that you can, and the whole point was that I started it about a year and a half ago was to, to, because I wouldn't have known, I, I have no, I didn't know how to be a father. Right. I most certainly right. did not know how to be a father to a daughter. And I most certainly didn't know how to be a man. And those were all things that I learned by, you know, uh, I mean, ironically, a lot of it was I learned I learned a lot about being a dad from men that I know that are not allowed to see their daughters or their kids because of their choices and things like that. Mm -hmm. And that's um, and then and then I learned it from men like you. Sure. You know, I mean, I've learned so much from you in the and just the things, the times that we've talked about sure. and, and anything that you gained from me, probably what I gained from you in that that time was just so completely different. And it's typically sure. not what we're aiming. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not like because, yeah. I mean, that's also hopefully humility, like you don't want to show up and be like, I am going to fix you yeah, right now. Yeah. Listen to this, sir. <laughs> you just share your experience yeah. because I, I can do. Yeah. I'm not a therapist. I, yeah. I mean, if you want to know how to mess some shit up, I'm the guy. Yeah. Like I know yeah, how to me do too. Some, I mean, cause my ego and my pride can get in the way. Yeah. And there's one thing that you were talking about is how, you know, we're seasonal, seasonal and how we can, um, how our mistakes shape us. But the problem is, a lot of us, myself included at times, can be so pride-driven sure. and so stubborn that you are unwilling to acknowledge your part, take an inventory and look at that and turn around and, and, and say, man, yeah, that yep. was a bad deal, and not point your finger at other people. Because yep. the minute you start blaming somebody else, you've robbed yourself of the opportunity to learn anything from it. Yeah, I my nephew that we spoke about earlier, Miles, he's a, he's a dad of two, two little kids and, and uh, he, he and his wife, Nicole, have a great little family. And it's my, my older sister's oldest son. And he's, I've been a big part of his life for the last probably 15 years. And he's, I think he's 30. Um, and, um, one of the, one of the things I worked with him on when he was working for me for all the years was I used to tell him, Miles, when you start creating a sense of responsibility that the buck stops with you, 
period. That's it. I don't care what your circumstance is. I don't care what your problems are. It doesn't mean I'm not compassionate towards those things and that I can't be sympathetic or potentially empathetic if I've experienced those similar things. But it, it really doesn't matter because it, it just buck stops with us. And, um, and, and not having a passive role, whether it be in our business life, in our physical life, our spiritual life, our mental life, our social life, whatever, not assuming a passive role. We have so many men today that have developed a sense of pacificity because they feel like they've been a failure and, the, and their ego won't let them get past that, or they lack confidence, or they've never had fathering, they have a father wound that's really deep, or whatever it is. And they haven't normally, normally a man like that won't get around other men that challenge him. Cause he's scared. It, it exposes it. It exposes it's vulnerability. And one thing real quick, you sitting around saying, yeah. I don't have that. I'm just a piece of shit. Yeah. Or, I'm so this, or I'm so yeah. that. Woe is me. That's ego in reverse. It's still, Absolutely. it's still 100% focused on you. Yes. Instead of what yes. you, what your, it's all input instead of what you can output into the world. Yes. Very internal driven. And, and I think, um, one time miles reads, does a bunch of audio books. Very so, smart guy. Yeah. And he was like, Uncle Bubba, he calls me Uncle Bubba. So he's like, Uncle Bubba, Uncle Bubba. He's like, man, I, I, I listened to this audio book the other day. And, and the whole book is about one thing. It's my fault. I'm responsible. It's my fault. I'm responsible. He said, even if it's really not my fault, if I will take that attitude maybe in my life, in my business life, my family, life, then I will forget about whose fault it really is necessarily. And I will take the steps I need to, to number one, not allow that to happen to myself again, if it's someone else's fault. Absolutely. You know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So I think, I think people, you know, it, once you did that, I mean, there were some major life changes that happened in that. And I think that men... In all, in all aspects, you know, men are very poor at relationships one-on-one. -on -one. And so speaking like the stuff that we're speaking about today, it doesn't mean that we're really highly emotional beings and that we're gooey touchy and all this stuff. And, or betas, uh, you know. Yeah, right? exactly. No, we're, we're, you know, this is the problem. We see the problem. There is an emotional component to the problem. Let's resolve the problem. Let's figure out what the steps are. It may take us years. That's okay. I'm moving forward. But I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to stay where I'm at today. I'm not going to do that in my physical life, my mental life, my emotional, my spiritual life, nor my financial or business life. I'm going to move forward, always moving forward to a better point. The idea that I am the man today because of the fact that I didn't have good fathering, yeah. it's part of who I am, but it doesn't shape the kind of dad that I'm going to necessarily be totally because I have free will yep. and a volitional choice to be a better dad or to be a better husband or whatever it is. But it's a, it is a choice. And Absolutely. that's the thing you can choose yeah. to check out and put your head in the sand. And I've known a lot of people uh, my, yeah. in my family too, that, sure. that just like something uncomfortable comes up, especially emotional. They put it in their, their head in the sand and they're like, I don't want to talk about it. Yep. Well, the problem's still there, man. Yep. You know, and, and if you don't fix it, the problem's going to grow up to be a pretty pissed off 38 year old. So you might <laughs> work it out. <laughs> man child. Yeah. Man child like you. But the, uh, you know, the whole deal with like the dads, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. So anytime I've gone through any kind of therapy or counseling or, or any yeah. kind of, uh, uh, realization or epiphany or whatever you'd want to call it. And it's like, Oh, okay. That makes complete sense. Now, now I understand it. Um, in the beginning, I never consciously allowed it to be a crutch. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And well, you didn't have that kind of weakness in your personality, even though it was being a crutch. Sure. But it's just, it's just once, yeah. once I, I kind of figured out that, that that's what, what was happening. I was like, oh, yeah. well, I got to get rid of this shit. Yeah. So yes, it sucks. No more explanation is needed. Now, do you want to sit in the shit? Sure. Or do you want to, you know, sit in the problem or get into the solution? And you have to be present. So these guys... And I don't want to speak or judge to anybody, you know, because everybody gets, everybody's on their own path and I'm not walking it. This is just my experience. When I started to show up and check in and be present to every aspect sure. of my life, it, it changed everything. In the minute that I start showing up late or skipping, well, if you, if you, if you took each, if you took each aspect of your life, like whatever the pillars are, you know, it was a physical, spiritual, mental, uh, sexual, financial, professional, all the different your, your marriage, right? If you looked at yeah. those like a class schedule and the ones that you start skipping class on or showing up late and sure. not paying attention, 
you're going to start failing those classes. If we can make that just as elementary yeah. as possible. Yeah. And I, I used to always say it this way. If you take a, a good example of that would be like professional athletics. Absolutely. These guys that have crazy physical prowess mm -hmm. and they grow up their entire lives with people praising the physical component of their personality, of their persona. And so maybe they don't study as hard as they should, or maybe they don't develop as well emotionally, or maybe they don't develop as well spiritually or whatever it is. And then when that's gone, who is the man? Who is the man if he's not developed all these other areas? Yeah. You know, he is a shell of who he was before. And that ego gets yep. hit hard. Oh, major. And to, and to just, and to just say one thing is, and a lot of times that's not their fault Yeah. because from a child, whoever was rearing them or guiding sure. them, nobody grabbed them and said, Hey, Hey man, you need to make sure you hit the books too. And a lot of times that's where the dad comes in. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Like, no, you are going to be a well-rounded athlete. You yeah. are going to be the type of man that if he blows out his knee or whatever, sure. or, or decides, you know what, I don't want to play football yeah, anymore, yeah, yeah. that you're good and you just keep yeah. on moving and you can go do something else. So that was somebody dropped the ball, I would say, but, or maybe well, they Well, no, it's, I, I think generally you can say that, that kids that grow up with, with strong fathers and, and, you know, you've asked me before what, what, not advice, but but what are the things you did with your girls? You know, I have three girls. I have a 26 year old girl who just graduated law school. She took to, just took the bar. Hopefully, she passed the bar. Ooh, ooh. And Dad, She'll pass the bar. She can get a job. Yeah, she's a smart kid. Um, then I have a 23 year old girl that she got married. She's got a great husband, great kid. Um, and then I have a 20 year old girl that's a junior in college. And you've asked me before, you know, what are some things that you did? And 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 recently on the Facebook group, you asked, what's the number one thing? You, you could um, do or the number one trait or the that number... That you value the most as yeah, a father. that you value the most as a father. In yourself. Right, in yeah. myself. And I, I think the number one thing, if I remember what I put on there, I think it was unconditional love. Unconditional love to my kids. Because that is the greatest expression to me of what our creator does to us. Unconditional love. Yeah, you're a terrible person. I get it. So what are you going to do about it? You're going to change your life. You're going to turn yourself around. Either way, I still love you the same. In one way, I'm very pleased with you. In one way, I'm, I'm not so pleased with you. And that's okay, but I still love you. And I wanted my girls to know very, very early on that they had unconditional love for me. And there's really three things that I've done with my kids. Uh, um, this is a question you're supposed to ask me, by the way. And those three things are this. What are the three things that you've done for your kids? All right. Three things that I have used with raising my kids. Um, and I've made a lot of mistakes and had a lot of arguments and a lot of girls that got mad at me and a lot of girls who said dad didn't have good emotion and didn't care for them and blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, I think they all know I love them. Um, but number one thing was unconditional love. Showing them that, that their worth or value wasn't based on how well they performed or what they were or who they were. I mean, I mean, or what they were. It was because of who they were. Sure. They're my daughter. You know, that's the first thing. The second thing was good values. Bestowing upon them as best as I could as a parent, mm -hmm. the values that I thought would help them be successful in life. The things that I found through my, um, uh, through my Christian upbringing. And then also the things I found that the real were the real world issues too, and how to melt it, melt those two things together and figure out what works and recognizing that those are values that I've learned that, that have created a lot of success, um, in my life and, and, and in other people's lives. And so just giving them good quality values, you know, be honest with people, don't steal from someone, don't be jealousy or covet what someone else has, um, work hard, you know, um, uh, all sorts of things like that, you know? And so, and then the last thing was don't quit. Yeah. We talked about that earlier. That's a hard don't one quit. to teach your kids. Oh man, it's so hard today with the millennials and I hate to say it that way, but, but, but it is, it is. They're that's, not, that's, yeah. that's one thing that, uh, uh, like, you know, cause my ex and, and I, yeah. you know, we obviously have different houses cause we're yeah. exes. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Abby goes back and forth. Sure. Man, there has been stuff that I'm like, do not let her quit. And then she gets to quit and she's like, well, you know, she gets to choose. I'm like, yeah. So when is it when we're not, when, like, where is that line between being just a bastard of a parent? Like that makes their kid do it sure. so much that they hate them, the sport and everything. Right. 
or just helping them push past that, the suckiness, the uncomfortable, you know, like with my daughter wants to be the best at everything. And when mm. she's not, sure. she's like bummed and gets bored and all I wonder where she gets that from. I don't know. Hmm, it's weird. I don't know. Her mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't think your mom listens to the no, podcast. I, I, so I, I know where she gets it from. So I'm, I'm seeing her mirror image across the table here. So <clears throat> she does yeah. have a lot of my traits. Yeah. And I'm really proud of that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, and the fact that, my ex has to live with her too. Makes me pretty happy. <laughs> well, that's one thing I. It's told. like a little Ryan. <laughs> well, torturing her on a daily know, basis. My ex is like, gosh, she just, she just, <laughs> and I'm like, real. well, to be fair, <laughs> I mean, she's, ha- she's half my kid, so you are pretty much arguing yeah. with part of me all yeah. the time. <laughs> I love that. That's a great psychological warp job right it's there. Like, hey, I gotta go. I gotta go. I'll see. Just you. twist the knife a little <laughs> deeper, please. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think um, um, it's hard. It's it's hard. And I kind of look at it this way. Um, I was never going to be one of those. Uh, I had, from my birth father, I had very poor fathering. I had three fathers growing up. I had my birth father, who was an alcoholic, who, uh, you know, was, was always out and about in town. And, and my mom and dad divorced when I was very young. I think I was six. My sister was nine. I have an older sister who, who's three years older. And I have a younger sister who's seven years younger. And, um, and then I had another father who she was married, my mom was married to for a very short period of time, but he was uh, strangely, he was just strange, a strange man and made my sister and I kind of interact uh, awkwardly at times. Uh, it was strange. Um, and, um, and then I had a, a, a stepdad who raised me. He pretty much raised me. Um, and for years, my stepdad and I were not really close until really after I became a man, man, and I got out of high school, and I was in college, and I was making my way in life. And my dad and I, my stepdad and I, became extremely close, mm-hmm. and were close until his death. And and yet, my stepdad really didn't know how to be a dad because he had an alcoholic father who was absent. He kind of had a happy alcoholic, and um, he, he was happy, but he was never really involved in anything he did. So he really didn't know how to be a dad, but he did the best he could with what he had. But um, what I decided was uh, you have a choice. You can either be the product of all that fa- types of all those different types of fathering, or you can be a product of the father. And that's what I decided to be, try to be, try to aspire to be. Um, and I, and I've, you and I've talked about this before. I kind of draw, you know, whether you're religious or you're non-religious, whatever your deal is, that's your deal. But for me, what's worked for me is, um, unconditional love, a sense of grace, a sense of mercy, a sense of no matter what I did, when I did it, there was an open door for me to step back in. Almost like the prodigal son. No matter what the prodigal son did, the father was there open, open arms, you know, waiting to put a robe on the back of the son, give him back his crown, give him back his lands, whatever, um, because he wanted to show him unconditional love. So when we're walking our kids through this journey today in the society we have today, and now we have this child that wants to quit something. So what I used to always tell my girls was, you're not quitting during midseason. I'm sorry, you're not quitting. I know it's hard. You know, you have a class that's really hard, you're not quitting. You're not dropping that class. I know it's hard. See it through. Because if you quit in that area of your life, even if you don't succeed, the fact that you didn't quit is succeeding. Yeah. Even if at the end of the day you got a bad grade, or even at the end of the day, your team lost every single game. You learn more from your failures than you do your successes anyway. So why do we see that as a negative? It's a positive. Yeah, and that's not just every kid gets a trophy. That's not the same right. thing. Right, no, it's not, no. That's, that's you're, you're developing that muscle, so to speak, yep. in you so that when you get out into the world and the boss is chewing on your ass for something, yep. you don't just quit and run away from every job. And you can get through those, and next thing you know, you're the boss, and you get to chew yep. on people's asses. I was on a soccer team for six seasons. We lost almost every single game, and I was the goalie. That's that's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they should have let you quit after the first year. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> Coach, you got a new goalie. But, I mean, it sucked. But but at the same time, I, I think I really learned some valuable lessons in that in that portion of my athletic career, my life, you know? And so we used to teach our girls. One of our girls once wanted, she wanted to quit dance or she wanted to quit soccer. She wanted to quit gymnastics. And we would tell them, we paid for the class. We paid for the, on your league. No, you're going to finish 
And then at the end of the season, if you don't want to play soccer again, we're good with that. We're fine with that. We can try something different. But you're going to finish what you committed to. That is different than making a child who doesn't want to do something continue to do something over and over and over and over when you really don't have to. Yeah. Like if they don't want to play football and you're making them play football because you're trying to make him a man. Or you're trying to make him, you know, you're going to get a scholarship or you're going to do this or, or you're not quitting because, you know, or, you know, if you quit, you're a loser. You know, if you don't play football next year, you're a loser, you know, kind of thing. No, that's, that's not the same thing, right? Yeah. And so there's a fine line there. And I think in society today, every parent, I mean, look at select sports today. Look at what we're doing with select sports. You know, when you and I were growing up, you, you know, if you play if you were in baseball, you had like you had like Mustang League and the Pony League and all these different leagues of baseball. And then you had, if you were really, really good, you had the All Stars, and they really were the best of everyone. Sure. Now every kid has got to be on a select sports team, an All Stars team. Yeah. And the trophies are five times as tall as they used to be. Have you been to a dance recital lately and seen how tall those trophies are? A cheerleading competition? No. Seeing how tall those trophies are? I mean, they're taller than you and I are. And I just to say that to say that's unfortunately, then they go into real life. Thinking everything's a giant trophy. Uh-huh. And no one is standing behind them, giving them praise and clapping, you know, on their pedestal for them. Because really, I hate to say it, they're not that special. Yeah. And, you know, Abby really wants to be in cheer. And I've been t- fighting that tooth and nail. It's tough. It's a tough. Like, one. Uh, finally, I I agreed. Well, it's next year, and and because um, she missed the tryouts this year, and it's going to be through the school, and it's not competitive cheer, but she has to, she has to. Um, I told her she could do it if she'd meet some of my requirements, and sure. one of them was that she'd have to be involved in some sort of martial arts at least twice a month. You know, on really? a Saturday with me. Yeah, just anything. Cool. Yeah, and then the other thing was going to be an essay on how being a cheerleader was going to further her career and add to her value as a woman. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was going to be an essay on a strong woman yeah, in sure. history. Sure. Just because I want her to see that. Yeah. And I, there was no, ba- that was just some shit that I came up with, yeah. you know, because I wanted yeah. to work for it. And then, so that was all set up. And then her mom's like, oh, so I let her go into this cheer camp. I was like, well, <laughs> son of a bitch. You know? And of course, Abby's like. Yeah, dual parenting, huh? Yeah. 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 And you know, you got to pick your battles, but. Sure. But one thing that's that 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 uh, is resonating in my head is, you know, those memes like "How did you make it to sixty years?" or you see the pictures sure. and it's like, well, in our time, we didn't throw away everything that was broken. Sure. You know, you work on stuff. Well, our children and our kids now, um, and even my generation, you know, we just yeah. throw stuff away. It's a throwaway society. Everything's disposable. Yeah. Everything's newer. You know, I mean, you know, just look at our phones. It's a thousand dollar phone. And then two months you're, yep. or two, two years or in a year, you're like, oh, I need a new one. Yep. And chunk the old one. And it's just, so it's the same thing with relationships. You know, people don't know how to maintain and I suck at relationships. Right. I've worked so hard now to maintain relationships and sure. that, and a lot of that is having to do the do the work and take a look at myself and see my part and be yeah. able to come to somebody and be like, man, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And to look at some really uncomfortable shit. But, yeah. Yeah. But the biggest thing is I don't want my daughter to find a good man. Yeah. And then bolt. Yeah, sure. Or sure. Whatever. Because I want her to, to stick it out because like yeah. my wife has stuck through some nasty stuff with me. Nothing sure. I've done to her, but just right. a lot living of, with the Ryan. A lot of the baggage of my yeah. past, a lot yeah. of the sins of the people that raised me, a lot of whatever you want to call it. You yeah. know, a lot of the trauma that I dealt with as a child and sure. young man. And she sat there with me and walked with me and and put her arm on me and said, Baby, come yeah. back to the light when I get into that dark place. Yeah. And never once has judged me for it. And that's and, and that and right there is why I always fight to sit next to her mama. Yeah. I love that woman. Sure. Could yeah. Yeah. You know, I think you're, you, the, the difference there is, is that you're a man in transition. Mm-hmm. And I think it's society today. Very, you know, when you think about it, unless you're in a group of guys like this, or unless you're in, um, R- Ryan Milstner the other day in, in one of his uh, Instagram things, an order of man, he said something like, you know, um, uh, get yourself around men that are challenging, you know, yeah. challenge yourself regularly. Challenge yourself physically, challenge yourself emotionally, and then be around challenging men. Be around men that are going to 
make you better. Just having a relationship with guys like you and I, me with you and you and I, we're better. Mm -hmm. We're better because we're not stationary. You know, life is not a stationary point. Yeah. It's a constant, a constantly evolving thing. It's organic. It's constantly organically changing. And the more that we recognize that our life is, is, and this is it too, by the way, this is it. I said on a podcast recently about our bodies, you walk into the car dealership, the car salesman says, you get, pick out one car. It can be any car, any truck, any vehicle you want, pick out one, but that's all you get for the rest of your life. How are you going to take care of it? about our bodies. Well, how are you going to take care of your emotional body, your spiritual body, your relationships, whatever it is, how are you going to take care of those things? And so, you know, I'm at an age now I'm old enough and you're getting older. Can't wait till your 40, 40th birthday. And you really joined the 40 fit nation for 40 fit radio, but I can't wait till you turn 40. Cause we're going to do something fun. We're going to take a trip or something. We were talking about it today while yeah. we were training together. Um, but I think that, um, I'm old enough now that I've, seen most of my grandparents die. Hmm. My parents are deceased. They're gone. Um, and, and it starts to get your mind thinking about life. And if you're, if you're aware and you, you can step back from that just long enough to evaluate it objectively, you can say to yourself, um, what is my legacy? What am I going to leave behind me? Well, my legacy is my, it's my three girls. Mm -hmm. That's my legacy. My girls' lives are different. My girls' lives are different because I made a choice when I was very young that I wanted them to have a different dad than I had. And my, and my kids will never know the kind of fathering that I had. And my kids will never have the wounds that I had and how, how much of a great opportunity they have to take that and change the generations to come in the future. Um, that's my impact. That that's, that's what I leave behind. That's what you leave behind this life is your daughter and her legacy and your legacy with Marty and the relationships that you have. What at the funerals that I've been to in the last five years, including my mom, my dad, my grandmother, my grandfather, all three, all two of my great aunts recently um, at all those funerals, no one once said anything about what they had. Yeah. Or, or even what their job was. Well, yeah, if they were really good at their job, that was an important part of their life. But it's the relationships and the people and the, the legacy that they leave behind. It's what we leave behind as men that really matters. And I, and I think that's, that's something that is a volitional, daily, hashing out, grinding, hard, voluntarily hard, voluntary hardship, painful joyous, wonderful, exciting thing, but it is organically growing or dying every single day. And if, and if, and when men just kind of go on pause or go on, um, what's the autopilot word? autopilot and they just kind of, oh, it's kind of like a drone, right? There's yeah. just a droning noise, you know, an exhaust in a car that doesn't have the right exhaust and you're driving along seventies. You know, when they go into that drone mode, their life just takes a direction all of its own. And it's usually driven by the values in society or it's driven by self. Yeah. Driven by self pleasures, whatever else. And so, you know, I, I think you get, you gotta be active about it, man. I agree 100%. And I think that the legacy that you, uh, I want to touch on that real quick. The legacy that you've, that you've, that you're leaving for your daughters is, is, um, an amazing one. I mean, that's one thing I know about you and respect about you and love about you as a yeah. friend and brother. And, and I mean, some, I've been blessed. one of my, you know, closest mentors and yeah. friends. I mean, so that's the way that you are with your daughters. And they're, they're three very unique girls. <laughs> very different. You know, they're <laughs> huge gaps in their personalities. And, and don't try to figure them out, dads. Yeah. You'll never do it. Just try to show up. <laughs> Just try to look at them when they're talking. That's the heart. Like, put your phone down and look at them. When, Be present. You said it all the time. Be present. And I suck at it. And that's, you know, that's something I work on because they talk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not, and I don't like talking that much. Well, maybe I like talking more than I like listening, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. And I'm just looking at her like, what are we talking about? And half of it, you know, is bullshit. Yeah. Like, I know that's a lie. And you're droning out. And you're just like, oh, yeah. check out now. It's hard, man. It's, and, and you know, women are not wired the same way men are to start with anyway. I mean, we're not, we're not wired the same anyway. Very 
differently wired. And um, I, I, I love the scripture, husbands live with your wives in an understanding manner so that your prayers may not be hindered. And husbands live with your wives in an understanding manner. Husbands, you will not understand your wives always. You won't. I don't. I don't get it. We're not wired the same. I'm not, I'm not called to understand everything that my wife thinks and why she thinks it. That's not my job. My job is to live with them in a manner that is understanding. And I don't do a very good job of that always with my wife. If my wife were here, she'd say, yeah, when you talk, you know, preaching to the choir type thing. I brought but, notes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I brought the evidence. It's on video. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, really, I mean, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to always understand why the things have to be the way they have to be, especially with our, with our wives and our, and if you have daughters and that's okay. You're, you're not, but you should live with them so that it seems you understand. And your ego needs to be in check. Yeah, absolutely. And you need to be compassionate enough and, and realize that it's not just you beating your chest at the top of yeah. the mountain and they are to absolutely. succumb to your, yeah. to your desire. Like this was, you know, my, my wife has, I, has never opened a door in my presence. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. not because she can't open her own door. Right. She could rip it off the hinges. Right. You right. know, I mean, she's yeah. stronger than most men. No, it's not a sign of her weakness. It's a sign of your of your valuing her. It's 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 how much I love her and how yeah. much I, I wanted to. Sure. I, when I met, so there's something I want to say and touch on. You talked about how it's a decision. Yeah. So you could be the biggest cheating, um, you know, dirtbag. Yeah. Up until two o'clock today. Right. Right. And if you want to change. You can make that fucking decision at yep. 201 That's right. and just stop. Because up until the point, until I met my wife, yep. I did not know how to be a husband. I did not yep. know how to be a man. I did not know how to be a partner. I did not know how to be an emotionally intelligent human being. I did not, I really didn't know how to be a... a, a she got a pig and a poke, basically. Yeah, father. <laughs> yeah. And then when I met her, I was like, my God. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to play it cool because clearly this chick, I caught her when her self-esteem was real low. <laughs> and I guess she was... I caught her on the rebound, yeah, maybe, man. Maybe her cataracts yeah. were like she hadn't got her surgery done. I don't know. She didn't have her contacts. But hey, dude, play it yeah. cool. Yeah. And and that's what I did. And that's what my daughter has seen. And my daughter's also seen both sides of it. So she's seen like, you know, I tried to open the door. Old dad? Well, no, no, no. She hadn't seen that. Yeah. Because she was way too young. But yeah. Like when I tried to open the door for my ex and she just right. kind of, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. Um, but cool, the way my wife and I interact with each other is a very, um, I try to be a gentleman to her, yeah. very chivalrous, but I'm also maintaining a lot of my personality. So it's a very interesting mix, but there's a lot of respect and love and, and it, and, and I cherish her. Yeah. She is. She's your prince. I think you say on Facebook, well, she's your queen. That's my queen. Yeah. Yeah. No, that I is my queen, cool man. And because she's my yeah. kingdom, she is, yeah. she is, it's, 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 we're equals. It doesn't yeah. work without her. Yeah. You know, I mean, and you've told me stuff like that before. Like your wife stands with you at your side sure. and, and she says, okay. Yep. And then you go and do something to make yep. a complete ass out of yourself and have to come back and be like, well, baby, that didn't work. Yeah. Guys have always asked me, I've had guys always ask me something like, you know, what, what made you, what, what made in your, in your marriage relationship or whatever or something, what, what allowed you to be successful? And you say, you know, one of the things that really helped me was. My wife allowed me to be, quote unquote, the head of our household, whatever that is in your world. Um, that didn't mean that I lorded over her. No. And that didn't mean that I saw her as, as a weaker person. But what that did mean was if she and I had a decision to make and we disagreed, she allowed me the free will to make the final decision. And if the final decision turned out to be a cluster, you know what? It was my deal. And then as a man, I, and I can tell you, I can't think of an instance where I made a poor decision. I bet she can. That yeah, probably so. <laughs> but I mean, I, oh no, I can think of a lot of poor decisions, but I can't think of an instance that I didn't own up to the fact that that was my deal because you want to, you want to have your wife learn some, some significant disrespect for you very quickly. Just allow her to allow you to make a decision that you make wrong and then blame it on her. Ooh. When she gave you the free will to be the one to make the final decision and it wasn't what she wanted, mm -hmm. 
you got to own up to that stuff, man. You, we got to own up to that stuff. We've got to recognize that that's what makes a marriage relationship works better. And it makes a wife want to trust a man more and allow him to be authoritarian, authoritative, not authoritarian for, you know, it's you and I've talked about this with our kids for years. We are authoritarians. This is the way it is. I'll explain to you why, but this is the way it is. Period. This is the way it is. Because when I, I said so, that's right. When I say, get out of the street now, come here now. I mean it because the car is coming. I, you don't have the maturity or the decision-making power yet to protect yourself. That's my job. And then at some point in those lives of that child, you become less authoritarian and more authoritative to where now you say something like, here's the decision that I, out of this decision, here's what I think you need to do. Here's what I think we need to do about this. But I'm going to give you the opportunity to make that decision. So, and we'll see what happens. Recently, my daughter got cable for, my youngest daughter got cable for her apartment. And she said, yeah, I just called the cable company. It's going to be $109 a month. And I said, all right, great. If that's what you want to pay for cable, that's fine with me. And she was like, well, no, I don't want to pay that much. I was like, then why did you agree to that yet? And I was like, no, I'm not paying $109 a month. And she's like, well, okay. And she said, well, mom, I'll get mom to call for me. And I told mom, do you tell her to call? That's her deal. So she called and she got it down to $69. <laughs> life lesson. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's a beautiful life lesson. It's, it's reality discipline. Mm-hmm. Reality discipline. Child wants to scream and throw around on the floor in the grocery store. Fine. Walk away. Walk away. They'll figure it out. And nobody's going to steal a screaming ass kid. That's right. I promise you. They'll <laughs> That's bring right. them back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they won't ever take them. Yeah. I mean, but, but they'll walk away. I mean, I mean, they'll figure it out. And, and we learned that very early on with raising our kids, reality discipline. You know, when we, in our society, even with men and women, we want to take away the consequences of our actions. And when you own up to the reality that, hey, this is my crap, you know, this is my stuff, um, then, then it's, it, it's sobering. Sobering sometimes. Oh, that's a good word. So sure. Yeah. The one thing that, um, you know, one thing that you told me about Missy is that, um, uh oh, <laughs> this was good. <laughs> is that uh, whenever you would make an ass of yourself like that, yeah. and you'd come back and own up to it, she wouldn't rub your face in it. No, she would stand at your side with a broom cleaning yeah. it up. No, and that's what I have with Marty. Yeah. So, fellas, if you've got awesome. a woman like that, you you better like just just go and no fantasy football tonight. Yeah, yeah, asshole. exactly. Go do the dishes. And I would say, too, that if you don't have a woman like that and you have a woman that, that rubs your nose in first, before you blame that on her traits, look back in your relationship Ooh. and see if you've been un- untrustworthy or unreliable. Awesome. And if you, if you have given her cause to be that way with you, to, you know, you know, I can't remember who told me this. It might have been a buddy of mine, an older buddy of mine as I was growing up and being reared and learning things. And he said something like, um, you know what, you, you, um, you know, you have a problem with your wife having sex with you and wanting to have sex with you. And he said, um, uh, ask yourself, does she want to have sex with the son, with her son or a boy? If you're acting like a boy and you're acting like someone who has to be treated like a boy, does she respect that? Oh, you know, does she want, I mean, I mean, we, we've got to be sitting in the right role. We've got to assume the role that we're supposed to be in. And the role that we're supposed to be in is the protector. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going I'm to say this, and I don't mean this in a chauvinistic way, the provider, the protector, um, the prince. You know, we're, we're the prince of our household. You know, we've got to be assuming that role actively. And, and I, you know, and, and, and definitely I'm not perfect in that way. I have a lot of failures along the way and still have a lot of failures, but I'm also convinced too, if you're a guy out there and you're treating your wife like trash, there is a prince waiting around the corner that would love to have her and treat her like a queen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know that man, you know that. And, 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 and if, if you don't want her to fall in the arms of another man, then don't treat her like trash, value her, respect her. Um, I find that women, we talked about this at lunch today. I find that women 
are less likely to be swayed outside of a relationship or pulled outside of a relationship when man ever will, men will ever. If you if you look at if you look at the um, stats, yeah, the statistics or whatever, you'll find that that men are much more likely to be pulled out of the relationship than a woman because we're we're turned on by our eyes. Man, a hot, hot looking chick walks by and bam, you know, all of our senses are on top, and so it's a little different. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Circle of Dads podcast. You just heard part one of the episode with Dr. Darren Deaton. Um, as you could probably tell from the episode, he and I have been friends for quite a while. And he's somebody that I, that I really lean on for advice and wisdom and, and support. And then we also, our friendship has grown into something to where we do a lot of trips and, and, and go on adventures together. And that's, uh, that's something that's really sharpened me as a man and, and helped me grow and pushed me to continue on. And, uh, and look at stuff that's not always comfortable, but it, it just betters me. I want to say thank you for tuning in and listening to these episodes. The support that we've gotten this far is, is beyond what I could have ever imagined. And it really humbles me. And, and um, I would never thought that it would turn out that way. If you like that episode, the second part will be available next week for download on iTunes. And hopefully we'll be on Stitcher soon. Please share with your friends. Please rate us, um, you know, uh, leave reviews, leave feedback. If you have any questions or comments, email me, Ryan at circleofdadspodcast.com. We're on Instagram. We're, we're on Facebook. And the um, private Facebook page for, for dads that we, uh, that we were discussing is, is Circle of Dads. That's it, just the Circle of Dads. So if you look, if you look for that on Facebook, we'll, we'll uh, accept your request to get in the group and then, and then you can share with men openly. And and it's a place to where you can really just kind of um, have open discussions anyways. So I hope you tune back in next week. I hope that you know that um, we don't have to be perfect, but we do have to be present. We chase those kids until the day we die and love runs downhill. This is Ryan. Thank you so much. Have a great day.